Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 574 of So You Want to Be a Writer, the podcast that's all about writing and publishing. My name's Valerie Koo. I'm CEO of the Australian Writer Centre, the world's leading centre for writing courses, and I'm your host. What have you been up to this week? I have been playing with emojis. Now, in the past, I've been known to use the wrong emoji for certain feelings, but I've learnt my lesson and now I'm a lot more careful. Who knew that emojis could be such a minefield, right? Anyway, emojis obviously have become a really normal part of how we communicate with each other in text messages and chat and email and WhatsApp and all the things, right? And there are some emojis that have certain suggestive connotations like eggplants and peaches and cherries. But using fruit as a sexual metaphor is not new, right? I mean, Renaissance painters used to do exactly the same thing. And and oh my goodness, if anyone read Eat Me, do you remember that by Linda Javen back in the day? It took me a while to get those images out of my head when I went to the supermarket. But yes, anyway, um, she's a fantastic author, by the way. So I read this in an article on uh, JSTOR, which is an online library, uh, painters during the Renaissance would put fruity puns into their paintings, you know, arranging gourds and sausages and cherries and figs in ways that don't actually leave anything to the imagination. Just goes to show that nothing is ever really new. <laughs> All right, emojis, do you use them incorrectly? Anyway, let's move on to our writer in residence this week. This is the series where I bring you stories from authors who not that long ago were aspiring writers, but now have carved out the start of their author career. Because I know that when I talk to authors who have been doing it, you know, for 30 years or for many years to great success, I mean, we, we can hear their origin story and it's usually very interesting. But when the origin story happened 30 years ago, it's hard for current aspiring writers to relate because the publishing industry has changed so much since then, right? So I wanted to bring you stories in this series from authors who have been published a little bit more recently so you can hear the steps that they've taken to get published so you can see what's literally just ahead of you. And that is pretty exciting. Today, I'm talking to Barbara Hatton, who writes under the name of Lucy Lever. Lucy Lever lives in the bush on Sydney's coastal fringe with her husband. Lucy makes frequent visits to family on the New South Wales North Coast, where she found the inspiration for her first novel, Mystic Ridge, a rural romance set in an alternative community. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Valerie. And um, I'm so honoured because I've been a fan of, the, of your podcast for quite a few years now, so it feels very special to be a guest. Oh, that's so wonderful. I'm so thrilled for, <laughs> you know, what's been happening in your life. So even though I'm talking to Barbara Hatton, you have written under the name of Lucy Lever, and we can go into the reasons why and all of that. Mm-hmm. But for the just to start off with, your novel is Mystic Ridge. So for listeners who haven't yet got themselves a copy, what is it about? Okay, Mystic Ridge is about 36-year-old Tara reader and sole parent of teenage Zoe Claire who lives in a kind of perhaps more mystical, more magical version of Mullumbimby, which is a town on the New South Wales north coast. It's a countercultural town. 
uh, or at least historically it's been a countercultural town. Uh, and she has to fight to save uh, her rainforest home from a mega wellness development. Uh, so she has to she has to rally not only herself but her family, her community and and really fight for what she believes in. It's also set in a fictional version of the Woodford Music Festival. so there's a there's a lot of music features. And um, of course, it's a love story. So not only is Claire a part of the story, but also Leo. And Leo's a journalist on the local newspaper. Um, in fact, he's editor of the local newspaper, which is inspired by the Byron Bay Echo. And uh, he is very committed to journalistic objectivity and believes that there are two sides to every story. But in this instance, Claire, who he you know, is very attracted to, as she is to him, uh, can only see one. So that certainly creates a problem. And there's also a love triangle thrown in um, with soapy star Jake hovering in the background all the time. And uh, there are some teenage characters who um, have some interesting struggles of their own. And there's also a ghostly presence. So the mystical elements feature very strongly in the in the book, much to um, Leo's dismay because he's very committed to rationality. I love this. So yeah. where did this idea come from? Well, I think I actually have realised that I get my best ideas from writing prompts. I was I was just looking the other day at a, a story I submitted for your flash fiction, the Australian Writers' Centre flash fiction competitions, and I just love a writing prompt. So uh, the, the um, RWA, Romance Writers of Australia, had uh, have a short story competition every year. And a few years ago, uh, the the writing prompt was that you had to write about a tiger's eye. So I immediately thought of a tarot reader. I'd just been to a, a hippie market at the back of Mullumbimby. Um, I put her, the tarot reader, in the market and it just went from there. Wow, no, I so didn't, that's writing short... prompt. That writing prompt just, you were going to only write a, a small passage to start off with, is that right? Yeah, I was, I was just writing a short story. And um, it wasn't, I have to say, it wasn't a brilliant short story, but I kind of fell for the characters and they were very unlike me, particularly Claire was just, her life was just so different to the life I was living. Uh, and I just wanted to keep going, you know. I've so been what happened? To write you just, it just grew and grew and grew like that, like from that point on, did it become something longer? Uh yeah, I just, um, my, my writer's group gave me feedback that they really enjoyed it. They thought it was a lot of fun, although it was very flawed, deeply flawed. Uh, and I hadn't actually had as much fun writing a novel or attempting to write a novel because I'd made a number of attempts and never actually finished uh, as I had at that point. So I just kept going and really enjoyed it and just had fun, loosened up and saw it through to the end and thought, How oh, wonderful. maybe I should try and get this published. So Yes. So there. talk to me then about your journey to publication once you've finished, okay. you know, the story. Okay. So I, yeah, I'd finished the story. Um, I'd actually at that point decided to leave my job so that I could focus on writing. And um, I had a, I had a backup plan because I was a social worker and I had a, I was kind of getting my mental health accreditation so that I could continue with that work on it at a um, sort of not work as intensely, but continue with the work. 
but I, if writing, I knew that if writing came to the fore, then I would run with it. And I pitched the story to Rachel Donovan from HarperCollins HQ at a Romance Writers Conference. And um, at the, around the same time, my editor, or actually just prior to that, I'd um, commissioned a freelance editor, Alexandra Nalus, to edit the book. And she really loved it, really believed in it, was just incredibly encouraging. Um, so I asked her to be my agent. So I, I'm not sure, you know, whether it would have achieved publication anyway, but having Alex as my agent, as an advocate, who was just really passionate about the story, it was great, fantastic. So. Oh, wonderful. So she she pitched it to Rachel? Well, Rachel? Rachel already had a copy, but right. she, you know, she resent it and repitched yes. it and um, and just, I suppose, brought it to the top of the slush pile, if you like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and what was the response from Rachel? Um, well, she took it to acquisitions, which is where, um, you know, first of all, you need to, I'm just, I know you've talked about this before, you know. You, no, please you go on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, she is a publisher and she has to get the editorial team on side um, and then she goes, takes the book to a meeting and pitches it to marketing people and salespeople and says, well, you know, do you think we could sell this book? Is it is it viable? And they said yes. So um, much to my absolute delight, you know, I didn't come down for several months from the high I was on. It was um, successful. And That's it, so it, there exciting. Was quite a, yeah, it was really exciting. There was quite a delay. There was a couple of, I think, 18 months. It was quite a long time because their publishing schedule was so tight. But that was fantastic because I could just you know, swan around and enjoy the prospect of being a published author for such a long time. So <laughs> can you really give us just nice. an idea of the timeline? Like when was the writing prompt? When, how long till you wrote a short story? How long then till you wrote an entire novel, which obviously takes way more time? Mm. And then what was the time period, the time mm. frame between that and, you know, hearing from HarperCollins and so on? Mm. Okay, I might not. This might not be entirely accurate because um, roughly is fine. <laughs> roughly, <laughs> so uh, I pitched it. It must have. Well, no, I wrote it. I think it was around the end of 2018 that I wrote the short story, sent it in, got a lot of feedback, but didn't place, um, didn't make it into the romance writers anthology, um, and then I worked on it while well, I was also working as a social worker for the following year. And then I left my job at the end of 2019 um, and finished off the novel and um, and then pitched it at a romance writers conference, which must have been in August, because they're always in August. Uh, and prior to that, sorry, prior to pitching, I'd sent it to Alex. Uh, in fact, she'd asked if she could call me and I thought she was going to tell me that it wasn't up to standard and um, she she couldn't actually do a proper structural edit, but would just write a structural report, which is kind of what she does when um, a manuscript needs, needs a lot of work. But in fact, as I said, she really loved it. Uh, and then it was published in this year. So that was 2020 that I pitched it, and it was published this year in July. So you pitched it in twenty twenty, but when did you, they get back to you to say, "Yep, okay, but we've we, we, it's it's going to be an eighteen month wait." Oh, okay. Uh, that would have been probably towards the end of twenty twenty. 
maybe right. October. Roughly, okay, great. Roughly. So you've um yeah. you've been hanging for this to you know that's just a very long gestation period, isn't it? That you've waited to birth yeah. this. So um, tell me when you got the call from HarperCollins. Can you remember what you were doing or how you reacted or whether you were surprised? Well, it was actually a call from Alex because she'd become the intermediary. Yes. Um, rather than a call from Rachel. And I was, I spend a lot of time up the North Coast supporting my daughter with her three kids. And um, I was on the way to pick up my grandson from preschool. And I remember I was going past the petrol station (laughs) when she made the call to me. And I I think I pulled over because I was just about to go out of mobile phone range because this preschool is out the back of Mullumbimby, out of of mobile phone range. And I I had to really pull myself together to keep driving. I was so excited. I, you know, I, I just couldn't believe it. I was beside myself. And I had to, you know, I had to think, oh, okay, wonderful. you know, I've got responsibilities. I've got to pick up my grandson. I've got to, you know, calm down, but, um, which I did manage to do. But as I said, I was, I was on a high for a really long time after that, probably at least several months. You oh, know, that's I just so kept, wonderful. I, <laughs> I remember I'd go to sleep at night thinking, I'm going to be published. I can't believe yes. I'm going to be published. So, yeah, and then I How had a great wonderful. sleep because I'd be so excited about it. Of yeah. course, I'm, or I wouldn't be able to sleep anyway. <laughs> um, so you you get the word that it's going to be published, yeah. which is just fantastic. Had you yeah. always wanted to be a writer? Like when did you, because you, you, you do social work, so when did you start thinking, yeah. oh, I might do some writing? Uh, it was, I suppose I, I'd wanted to find my way out of social work for a while and I contemplated a number of career changes. One was midwifery, which I couldn't quite engineer because I had had to earn an income and had family responsibilities. And then I tried journalism, but that was in the days before mummy bloggers. I didn't have the time to volunteer, which is kind of what you needed to do to break into the industry at that point. Um, and then I, I thought I might do teaching, but in the end... Um, I think I did a creative writing course as part of my um, journalism studies. So I just I just fell in love with creative writing. I really enjoyed it. And it just it just made me really happy. So I decided that it was something I wanted to continue. That was many years ago. You know, I'm in my late 50s now and I was in my 30s. So it's been, although this is the first novel I've finished, it's actually been a very long apprenticeship. Right. So as, what we so were you just writing for your own you know, um, your own pleasure, basically, in that period? Uh, well, I was I was hoping that I'd get short stories published or that I'd get somewhere in competitions. I'm, I'm in a very small writers group with Jo Riccioni, who teaches at the yes. AWC, and a couple of other women. Um, and Jo... You know, Joe's jo one of those people I think who could just sit down and write. I don't, I don't know that she had any apprenticeship at all. She was just writing beautifully and sending in short stories to competitions and winning and um, getting published everywhere. So um, yeah, she's amazing. I thought I'd give, I'd, I'd give it a shot. And you know, then of course she, she started publishing novels. Um, but I didn't, I didn't really have any success. I think I, I managed to publish one story in Track Surfing magazine a few years ago. And uh, you know the odd anthology here and there, but yeah, no, no particular success until this happened. That's why it was yes. so overwhelming and unexpected and exciting. 
you know, oh, that I'd finally worked out how to write. <laughs> <laughs> You've done a lot of courses at the Australian Writers' Centre, um, including yeah. the the Story Doctor with Kate Forsyth, yeah. but also some of the self-paced courses like Fiction Essential Structure. What have, what, how were the courses beneficial to you? What did you get out of them? Well, I'll just say, first of all, that I wished that I just started with the Australian Writers' Centre rather than doing courses elsewhere for so long because um, because I think what, what you guys do is just provide really good scaffolding um, and, you know, a, a step-by-step process so that people can learn the, the basics and then build on them. But I came in when I'd already done a number of other courses and what I really wanted to focus on, I suppose, was um, what to do towards the end of a book. So... I was focusing on, yeah, the Story Doctor, Cut, Shape and Polish. Um, I think there was another editing course that, that I did, um, Fiction Essential Structure, that's right. Um, and I just I just found all your courses. I mean, it was wonderful working with Kate Forsyth. She's just the most incredible teacher. Uh, but all your courses were just so easy to understand and helpful and and I, I have to admit, I was kicking myself, and as I said, for not starting with you guys earlier because, um, yeah, because I think you do a great job and for anyone who wants to write fiction in Australia or even overseas, I just think you, yeah, you, you provide a lot of support, a writing community and um, great teachers. You know, Pamela Freeman's amazing. I still do her seminars. I did one just the other night on um, tone and style. Yes, um, that style. I really enjoyed. Yeah, so uh, so in terms of that being fantastic, and they helped at the end, and they would have helped at the beginning if I'd realised that you were there, what you were doing. <laughs> and in terms, it sounds like you wanted some guidance with structure and and yeah. how to kind of pull it all together. So, can you? Were there any practical things that you were able to learn and apply then to your own story? Yeah, I think, um, well, the Kate Forsyth story, uh, story Doctor course comes to mind. You know, she she talked about, you know, the the very starting from Homer, I think, or, you know, the Greek, the Greek classics, just what structure was and the sorts of things that needed to happen um, in a in a in a novel. Um, I think I hadn't really understood what structure was really hungry for information about structural editing because I understood what copy editing was you know which is all about grammar and punctuation and maybe word repetition as well but I hadn't really understood what structural editing was and you know how to how to approach a book that you know I I knew it was flawed I knew it needed work but I didn't know exactly what to do although my writers group were incredibly helpful there so I think that was you know those courses that I did with the Australian Writers Centre were just so helpful with that. Um, yeah, they were wonderful, really. Mystic Ridge is a romance. Um, did yes. you always know that you were going to write in that genre or did you would just write the story you wanted to tell? I, I, I'd, um, I'd started trying to write literary fiction about a a girl who sort of got lost in the Tasmanian forest somewhere and could never be found, you know, a tragic story. Um, everything about it was tragic uh, and it was just too hard for anyone to read and too hard for me to write. Uh, and how did I, I actually did do a course with Anne Gracie, who's 
um, uh, a bit of a romance writing guru um, and a very active member of the Romance Writers Association of Australia. And she also talked about the structure of her romance. And again, it just it just seemed, I, I mean, I love reading romance or some romance anyway. And um, it just, it, it provided a ready structure, but also it was just so, it's so enjoyable to read romance. And it's also really enjoy, enjoyable to write romance. And it, like I suppose most genres, it just lends itself to so many other possibilities. You know, there are so many ideas that I was able to explore in this book. Mm. Although it was a romance, there were lots of subplots that were mm. that I found interesting, you know, around environmental protection and bullying and, um, uh, you know, gender and sexuality, um, you, name, <laughs> you name it, you know, female friendship, community. There was just just so much possibility within the genre. You know, people think it's just, mm. you know, two two people who who face a whole lot of obstacles before they eventually get together, which, of course, is inevitable because there, there has to be a happy ever after. But uh, I think the best romances offer a lot more than that. Yes. The, I, yeah. the, the themes can be, you know, you can have so many different layers with the themes and obviously you touch on a lot of different ones in your book. Mm. So now that Mystic Ridge is out, are you what's happening are you you've been you've had 18 months kind of thing are you writing the next one or the next one or the next one <laughs> <laughs> well I've, I've written the next one and okay. I'm um, I'm in the last stages of structural editing I almost feel like I need to do that cut shape polish course again uh um and Alex who's now my agent has has done some editing or a lot of editing actually so there's a lot of changes I still need to make to that manuscript um I've been a bit caught up with you know all the launching and marketing this first book so there's been a you know I've put it aside for a while but I'm definitely coming back to it now and I've started a third book and they're yeah they're both romances because I'm in love with romance you know it's a fantastic genre not that I won't write in other genres as well but um it's just it's just really enjoyable for now and it. also the community of romance writers in australia oh, is amazing. amazing like amazing yeah yeah they're just the most lovely generous supportive organized bunch of women in mm. you know they're just unbelievable so um mm. so yeah so there's been a lot of support in that community for this taboo author so, yeah how yeah. wonderful so your real name is Barbara Hatton uh yes. Mystic Ridge however is written by Lucy Lever L-E-V-E-R for those of you who are looking it up and you're going to buy it Lucy Lever <laughs> so why I uh, I just thought Lucy Lever had more of a ring to it. I thought it, people would be it more does, likely actually. to pick up a book by Lucy Lever than Barbara Hatton, which is, you know, it's okay. It's just a very ordinary name. I, I think, you know, Marilyn Monroe, mm. I think the alliteration really um, carries it somehow. It was also my grandmother's name. Oh, uh, Lucy Lever is actually your grandmother's name. Or yes, just Lucy? Well, well, no, Lucy Lever. Her name oh, was Lucy fantastic. Lever. fantastic. Yeah. So I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just have that. She would have been delighted had she known yes. uh, she I mean she died many 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 years ago but she yeah she would have been very excited so oh that's a great connection so why not? I love that 
Yes. And so you're going to be building your brand as Lucy Lever. So does that mean on socials and your website and all of that, um, it's Lucy Lucy Lever? Yeah. Yeah. I'm Lucy Lever. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's pretty. That but I don't hide, as he's saying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there is, I think somebody once said, whatever you do with a pseudonym, maybe keep the same, keep your own first name. And there, you know, it, do, it does. I have noticed, of course, that it becomes confusing for others and also for me at times. You know, I now answer to, to Lucy. You know, people can call Lucy from across the road and I will now turn around. Um, because there's a little gaggle of people. I'm up on the north coast at the moment, and there's a little gaggle of people up here that like to call me Lucy. Oh, so, okay, that's cute. Book, which is really <laughs> sweet. So, <laughs> so I do answer to Lucy now, but um, but I'm also Barbara. A bit like um, you know, when you interviewed Minnie Dark, and she said, mm. you know, who's actually Danielle Wood, and yes. she said, you know, Minnie Dark is the more creative, more. Um, perhaps more, I can't remember exactly what she said, but, you know, more loose and wild and free version of Danielle Wood. And, and, you know, that's how I like to think of Lucy Lever, that she's like the wild part of me, the creative part of me. Oh, I love that. What does that mean? (laughs) What kind of books then will Barbara Hatton write? (laughs) Oh, Barbara Hatton's very, very serious. She'd write very serious books about very serious passions, I think. (laughs) So now that you've written your second and you're on to your third how's that plan going like you you mentioned that you were kind of looking for a transition out of social work <laughs> what's happening yeah. there well I I I did get my mental health accreditation which allows you to get a Medicare number and and to go into private practice but I I guess once I got the publishing contract I decided not to pursue that um I've got grandchildren as I said up the north coast so at the moment I'm just dividing my time between writing and and supporting my family and I'm really enjoying this life I'm very privileged and lucky to be able to live it Um, I know not everybody can leave their day job Um, but I I'm trying to live in the moment but I I'm hoping that the future just just offers more of the same because it's pretty wonderful so when you're writing when you're in the depths of your writing Describe yeah. your typical day or week, whatever, you know, so that people can get a picture of when do you actually write and what your output looks like, like how much do you write in each session? Well, I, I'm i not the most organised person, so I'm a little <laughs> bit <laughs> erratic with my writing. Having said that, uh, it, it does kind of work for me to have a deadline ideally but I can write churn out a certain number of words and I tend to, I'm not very good early in the morning I'm not very good late at night so I tend to write best in the middle of the day or into the early afternoon um probably would spend two three four hours at my desk uh just getting out as many words as I can but trying to maintain some sort of quality um in those Do words so I, I don't count? think I, I at times yeah at times and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. So I tend, it's rare that I would write more than a thousand words a day, to be honest. Um, I'm a little bit slow. I know other people can write. I've heard people writing 10,000 words a day, which is unbelievable. Um, but I'm, I try, I try to, as I said, I try to aim for quality as well as quantity, mm-hmm. which isn't now, always easy. Your agent slash editor, Alex, um, yeah. how did you find her? 
How did you think, oh, I'm um, going to send that to Alex? <laughs> I just, I found her online. I liked her website. She'd actually um, edited, I'm not sure whether she copy edited or structurally edited one or two of Leanne Moriarty's books. Um, and, you know, Leanne Moriarty's an extraordinary writer yes. for a long time, was very, very much unsung in Australia because she writes commercial fiction, which is, you know, I mean, you know yourself, there's a, it can be a lot of people do look down on commercial fiction, less less on Leanne. They look down a lot less on Leanne than they used to as she's become more and more successful, uh, as you know. Um, <laughs> so I just I just thought she sounds she sounds like a woman who knows what she's doing. And then I think I might have called her or arranged a call. And she's just a she's a lovely person. She also knows the industry. She's very competent. I don't know. I just decided I wanted to work with her and she did do a very good job of editing my book love it as so, as I have as did my writers group prior to to I mean I my yeah my writers group did a lot of work on it prior to me submitting it to Alex um, and so yeah, it's great to have both the um now that it's out in the world um what yes. has it felt like oh it's amazing <laughs> to have it out in the world it's um it's it's really special. It it sort of becomes, uh, I suppose, like a child growing up. You know, it, mm. it becomes um, something. Ex- it's become something external to me. You know, it's almost taken on a life of its own. And I sometimes look at it and think, did I really write that? Uh, but yeah, it's it's wonderful. It's wonderful to to hear from readers who are enjoying it. Um, it's it's wonderful to see it on the bookshelves in you know the various places where it's on sale. Uh, to have my family, you know, enjoy it. Um, I think they were quite, you know, in the loveliest way, they've, they've been really supportive and um, yes. you know, have, have been, yeah, just really excited that I've written the book. I don't know. It's just been, and former colleagues have been amazing. So, yeah, there's been a lot of love and support. A lot of people came to my Sydney book launch in particular who I've known for a long time and um, there was just a lot of love in the room, you know. It was fantastic. Um, How wonderful. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, you're obviously very talented and this is not going to be the only thing that we see from you. And I can't wait to see the next few books as well. Um, uh, But you, your story is also an exercise in persistence because you started writing a while ago and finally everything kind of just came together and mm. the world is now discovering Lucy Lever slash Barbara Hatton. <laughs> <laughs> so I would love to end with what are your top three tips for people who they know they've got it, but the the the, the planets aren't aligning yet. You know what I mean? Like um, what's your advice to them to persist or, or what they need to do to yeah. help the planets align it just it doesn't just fall into your lap you did a bunch of things to help the planets align too absolutely and I, you just said it yourself sorry it's it's persistence and um apart from joe rich only from my writers group i don't think many people can just pick up a not not pick up a pen anymore you know sit down at a keyboard and start writing brilliant prose immediately there's so much to learn you know there's so much more than you think there is to learn uh and you know doing courses such as those offered by the Australian Writers Centre is really important you know it's so important to keep learning 
so important to keep trying. Um, just don't give up. Keep persisting. So that's one. Um, second tip would be uh, take your time, especially the first time you're writing a novel, if that's what you're writing, even a short story. Um, you'll find if you if you keep allow yourself a lot of time, you know, even if you have a deadline, as much time as possible um, to to keep revisiting that story and tweaking it and reworking it. Not not so that you're destroying the essence of it, but just so that you're making it better and deepening it and making it richer and um, you know giving it more depth. I think I think it's really important to just keep coming back and keep uh, keep reworking your work. And the third thing is something I've been saying to a lot of people, which is play. You know, it's it's so much writing is improvisation. You know, it's it's like drama. It's like it's like all art forms, you know, you just, it's magical in a way um, if you just let it happen, you know, don't, although you obviously you need to, you need to learn skills and there needs to be a certain amount of control, but there's also a lot of letting go and just writing, you know, if someone, if a character looks like they're going to do one thing, you know, maybe they can do something completely different and unexpected and that could take the story in a new direction. And that's when, the fun really comes in and the story can really get interesting no matter what genre you're writing. I love it. Congratulations. This is so exciting. I cannot wait to see your author career unfold. Mystic Ridge, everyone, by Lucy Lever. And, um, yeah, can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you, Valerie. It's been fantastic. Thank you so much. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writer Centre, a world leader in writing courses. Our self-paced course, Fiction Essentials Structure, is a valuable guide for any writer keen to master their narrative tension, pacing, climax and more. Whether you're just starting on a novel or working on a structural edit, this course provides you with the practical steps to build a coherent story from start to finish. You'll discover how to choose the right structure for your story and expertly manage the plot elements so that your pacing is spot on. And most importantly, your readers are glued to each page. No matter what genre you write, all stories need a strong framework. And this course will show you how to achieve it for every story you write. And because this is one of our online self-paced courses, you'll enjoy instant access and can learn at your own pace with 12 months access to all course materials. Find out more at writercentre.com.au slash structure. That's writercentre.com.au slash structure.